right. our own experiences are valuable because like i know my fiddly fig doesn't want full sun all day right right which i had to learn the which does make sense but yeah but right. like bird of paradise can take it mm-hmm. he can take it <laughs> pervert <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Rough Around the Hedges podcast. I'm Kaylin. I'm Adam. And I'm Christine. Welcome. Today we're going to talk about acclimating houseplants to the outdoors and growing in greenhouses for the summer. Hell yeah. There's a lot to cover. I feel like we've got a lot to cover in this topic, but I wanted to start by saying like, just asking you both individually, what does your outdoor setup look like like what does it look like this year and yeah i i guess we just looked at kaylin's but the listeners did not just look at kaylin's <laughs> right but i know exactly what your outdoor setup looks like but for the sake of listeners ah uh, yes why don't you describe what, what are you dealing with outside so this is going to be my third year growing outside uh the first couple years of my plant journey i lived in an apartment didn't have any outside space so Adam was actually my kind of consultant, my go-to guy, for when I was finally able to put plants outside, and I kind of grilled him on everything, especially when it came to the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, what I've learned, and everyone will be quick to tell you, you put your houseplants for a week outside in the shade. I'm getting off topic. You asked me what my setup is. Yeah, I just want to know, like, uh, what does it look like? What does your outside setup look like this year? Chaos. But not as much as chaos as it was last year. Okay, so let's see. Out front, we have a deep front porch, which faces west. And then we have a big maple tree and a crabapple tree. So plants under that are in full shade. Uh, So I can use that area to acclimate stuff in my little acclimation procedure. Uh, But right now, out on the front patio, I have a couple alocasia, um, a diffembachias, some colocasia... Um, giant taro, pharaoh's mask. Uh, I have some mixed planters with some philodendron giganteum, coleus, and potato vine in it. Um, I have a philodendron deja vu. Um, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to look out there, but the Adam's f- head is in the way. Sorry. That front patio faces west. Did you mention that already? Yeah, I did. Okay. Faces west. So then I have south side of the house, which I have a lot of full sun um, landscaping plants. I did try my regal shield out there last summer. That was not a good idea. Don't do that. Uh, Regal Shields are not appreciative of full sun. Uh, In the backyard, we have a deck. And I have a bunch of full sun plants out there that just eat that shit up. So, Bird of Paradise, Croton, um, Rubber Tree, uh, Ficus Altissima. I'm going to try a Petiolaris, Ficus Petiolaris out there. I said Croton. Oh, Plumeria. Mm. That thing. Loves it back there. He grows so tall so fast. And then I also have a little uh, cold frame greenhouse in the back from Adam. Woo-hoo. Secondhand baby. Uh, chock full of plants. Yeah, and literally. It is like you can't you can't even walk inside of it without removing plants. Yeah, first. you have to move the plants before you can go inside. <laughs> it was never it was never ever that full when I was in my backyard. Like definitely not even close. You had shelves. I just have one one shelf made of these grids stolen from work mm. posted up on some wooden legs it's working yeah adam took a look in there and he was like you have to chill out kaylin <laughs> i have followed by a number of expletives yeah he swore it's like i guess i'll take that as a compliment <laughs> right uh, yeah 
Okay. So you got the greenhouse where you sort of acclimate things and you have a shade cloth. Yeah. So um, I'm actually doing a couple different weeks of rotations in the greenhouse. So uh, for starters, once the temperatures outside stayed above 50 degrees at night. Uh, So we're in Minnesota zone 4B. It was about the last week of May when the forecast finally said it wasn't going to get colder than uh, low of 50 overnight. So I started, I filled the greenhouse up with all my bright sun plants that want to live in most sun possible. And then a couple of other guys who uh, were starting to get shaded out in their normal window because the trees grew leaves and blocked all the light that they were getting. So I threw my bird of paradise out there, my croton, my plumeria, my ficuses, um, I ended up with uh, Calathea up out there, too. A couple other things. Uh, and I put a shade cloth on there. So my greenhouse, it doesn't have any shade coverage until about 5, 6 o'clock when the sun goes over the roof of the house and finally blocks it. Um, so the greenhouse gets morning light, afternoon light, evening light until sun goes away. So it gets blasted. So I, have a, I start with a 70% shade cloth on there okay for one week and it and you i don't know if you i can't remember did you say that it, the size of the greenhouse is a it's a what is it a six by eight six by eight yeah it's just yeah. a small little dude yeah yeah i but I'm very it fits, good at Tetris, but it apparently so. fits like you know oh, i'll have to share that in our i'll have to share that in the discord with the group that um you should have seen it when i put all those giant ass plants out there <laughs> it was just as full as it as it is now yeah but yeah, shoved everybody in there for a week. After a week, I took the 70% shade cloth off and I put a 40% shade cloth on there. So it was getting more light. And then after that week, then they got booted to the outdoors with no shade cloth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had some fiddly figs out there. They're a little more sensitive to full sun. So I gave him a week up front in full sun on the west side of the house just to get him ready for that full sun outside. Gotcha. Um, so, so like... Your outdoor setting right now is basically like cycling plants, getting them ready for brighter light slowly, sort oh, yeah. of acclimating things. That's kind of what it's geared toward yeah. right now. And also, this would be a good time for us to jump in and maybe mention our like socials, right, guys? Like we wanted to do that. Well, we have a Discord for the podcast. Correct. So that's when I say Discord, that's what I'm talking about. Rough Around the Hedges Discord server. There it is. Correct. And the invite link is found on our Instagram page, which is at Rough Around the Hedges podcast on Instagram. There you go. And it's free to join. We're just going to have a little communicate. Uh, commu- uh, blah, 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 blah. Words are hard. That's true. That's really true. We're going to have a little podcast community. So when we talk about stuff on the pod and you're like, oh, damn it, I really want to see what that looks like. I want to see how full Kalen's greenhouse was. You can go to the show off tab in the Discord server and see what my greenhouse looks like chock full of plants and show off or we might do i did create an episode specific oh yeah uh, channel so, yeah, so we can like them. hey this was the thing we were talking about in this episode the forum would be good for that that too yeah so yeah, that way you can see what we're talking about and you don't have to go find any pesky show notes on god knows what website so just join our discord you are free to comment and talk to us and interact and the uh, easiest way with other to, people in the community. Yeah. And the easiest way to find links to the podcast would probably be through the Instagram as yep. well to just find your way back to our like server page. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, that's probably the easiest. And we should also mention there is another Rough Around the Edges podcast. There is. I didn't even know about until someone was like, I searched the podcast and it wasn't you. That was it's about vegetables in the UK. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so the domain was free. So we, I took that as, oh, well, obviously there isn't a podcast, so we should we should be able to snag it. Sure. Um, and then when I was searching, I think it was Apple Podcast. I saw it. They haven't posted since 2019, so I'm assuming it's. I'm I'm taking that as oh, that's yeah. fair game. The statute that's of limitations game. has. Yep, and they're talking, and they're past. specifically talking like vegetables and stuff. We're talking houseplants, yeah. so we have our okay differences. So, so hopefully you're not listening to a podcast on vegetables and growing <laughs> in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> and trying to find out about Adam's trip to the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> what is this about eggplants? Oh man! But so okay, so just that was a little tangent there. But I thought we'd throw that in. Okay, Christine. Okay, uh, so I live in a townhouse, um, a one-sided townhouse. So I I only have west facing, um, and I don't have a whole lot of space outdoors. The way our townhouses are set up, you have like this tiny little patio that's maybe like four foot by 10-ish feet. So I use a lot of like um, tiered shelves or like the just normal outdoor kind of landscaping looking shelves as far as space. Um, So since it's west facing, there's also a tree right in front. So I get a lot of nice like afternoon dappled shade right in that little area. So I can basically put whatever I want out there um, and not have to worry too much about sunburn. I'm not as is not as good about transitioning my stuff. I'm very you're gonna go outside and we'll see what happens. Have you any have any like catastrophes? Not really. This year more so, but that we can that's bugs more so than taking like sun damage. It's been so dry the last few weeks, like spider mites have been horrible outside. A lot of my allocations that I put outside immediately got spider mites, but I've oh, been shit. treating them. Um so, but as far as light damage goes, I think my pasta is the only one that's kind of hating it. And, but I think he'll, he'll come around as we continue on. And I think, you know, Adam, when we've talked in the past, you've said, you know, one leaf damage versus the benefits you're going to get out of it. And in the long game, it's worth it. Mm. Uh, so as far as what I put out, a lot of Hoyas, cause I like to sun stress them. Um, I've put out sunrise because they sun stress in like a day so it's immediately turned purple and gorgeous and beautiful Mm. i put my clostophylla out because it absolutely adores being outside it grows like crazy during the summertime Uh, and it bloomed like within three days after i put it outside which was awesome Uh, i got a new hoya called a hoya snowflake i'm going to try it outside see what if it likes it or not i put for allocations i got my regal shield so you said yours didn't like it outside. I'm going to try it and see what happens. I mean, I only gave it full sun. Right. So we'll see. It's, it's, I also, I went from Lekka to soil in it and then immediately threw it outside and it was like 55 that night. So it's pretty pissed off right now, but it's putting out a leaf. So can't be that it's not bad. dead. Uh, my allocated shanties outside, the stingray, the silver dragon is loving it outside. It, that was another one went from Lekka to soil, dropped almost every single one of its leaves I put outside and it's put out like six leaves already. That one I want to see. Yep. Well, this it's six growth points. It's not like it's gotten big. It's Uh just, it's bounced back. Uh, my ficuses are also out the Taniki and the Ruby. They absolutely adore being out in the sun and go crazy. Uh, and my Calatheas, my Musaica really likes being outside. Calatheas were some of the first that you put out. Wow. Yeah. 
I would. So, so you're growing. I shouldn't say it'd be the first. Okay, let me step back a little bit. Around the end of May, when it mm-hmm. was getting to like the 55 at nighttime, mm-hmm. I started with my cactuses that are not cactuses. My Thanksgiving cactuses mm-hmm. went outside because they can take it and they like it. Um, yeah. And my hardier Hoyas. So if you, I use Vermont Hoyas a lot as my like resource. And they actually have a temperance tolerance guide based on species. Sure. And so my Obovada and my public Alex went out right away because they can tolerate continual temps of 50 and below, or sorry, 50 and above. Um, and then you can work your way upwards of okay. that. Okay. And then I think it's like 50, 60, 65. That's cool. Yeah, there's a whole that chart cool. on it, and I just follow that. I looked it up once, the mm-hmm. cold-growing hellions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but also it sounds like, so if you're growing, are you growing like right against the wall outside the town? It's a townhouse? fence. Right against a fence? Yeah, so it's it's like wall, which is a little picnic table in like Adrian's outdoor space, mm-hmm. and then it's fence going this way, which is tall, so it blocks that south sun, I see. which is nice because it gets I get slatted shade from the south side, uh-huh. and then the west side is that tree. I see. Okay, so it's pretty sheltered. Yes. It sounds like you got it, a pretty gets, sheltered place. Yeah, I would say nothing is getting more than like two to three hours of direct sun. Okay. Okay. So effortless. I know. <laughs> Not like me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm more like, you're just going to go outside and see what happens. I, won't, I don't have to worry a whole lot about That's nice. Until it gets hot and then, mm. I, then I worry a little more. Nice. What about you, Adam? What do you got? So this will be... I want to say the third year, fourth year that I've been growing, putting houseplants outside in the summertime. I want to say I started around 2019 was the first summer I started putting houseplants outside. But my setup has kind of changed a little bit each year. And depending on what plants I'm growing and what I'm learning and just what's convenient for me at any given year. But this year I have basically just so the it's all on the north side of my house like all the space where i'm growing house plants is on the north side of my house and i have a pat uh deck like with two different levels and i just set up shelving kind of right against the north side of the house um and this year i just put like metal wire shelves on top of cinder blocks and just like kind of go right along the periphery of the house I also have a, a six by eight foot greenhouse, like a polycarbonate with aluminum frame greenhouse. And that is like pulled maybe like six feet away from the north side of my house sitting on top of the deck. It's just bolted to the top of the deck right now. And this is the second year, third year? Second, second year. Second year. Yep. Oh, wait, no, going on third year. Going on the third year. Because I bought your old greenhouse, remember? Yes, exactly. And so it would have been... A, this is the third summer. Right, right. So the time that I sold Kaylin, my previous greenhouse, that's when I updated to the, the hard shell one. Um, yeah, and that is also shaded by like a giant maple tree, um, which really is nice. Like the shade helps a lot for most of the plants just to protect them i've yeah i found that that the shelter helps a lot in the beginning especially when you're first transitioning plants outside 
But so that's the general setup inside the greenhouse. I have like, I put like turf carpet sort of, I put carpeting down to like try to hold humidity in. Cause I don't know. I just was like, I can spray it. It's like just plasticky thin carpet. I think it's like for boats and stuff that you're going to have outside all the time. Um, I was like, I can spray those mats down and then they'll evaporate and like help increase the humidity inside of the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. That you was monitor, my thought. Do you, do you monitor that with the hygrometer? I did for the fir- for the last two years, but this year I'm like, mm, I just know what. You kind of feel Yeah, for I it. can kind of feel How long it. does it last for after you spray? Um, the humidity is definitely a temporary spike when I spray in there, but. It, it definitely dissipates, I guess, is what I would say. I don't know. I don't have an exact number for you, like the amount of time that the humidity lasts. I know it helps, but I think last year and this year, I've been using a humidifier. I keep a humidifier in the greenhouse. Hmm. And then, so that's what's out there now. I have a fan and a humidifier, and it has little like vents in the ceiling that I'll open up based on how hot it is. Um, I also spray water in just mist water with the hose. So I have a hose outside too. I didn't, I forgot to ask you guys, but if you have a hose access to that, yeah, but I have hose. you both do. Yeah. Cause if you didn't, that would make a difference. Wouldn't right. it like it just makes everything more convenient when you have a hose <laughs> to, to help, help out with that situation. Kaylin's laughing at me right now. I'm just laughing at, do you have a hose? <laughs> well, I literally minutes ago saw your hose like. Oh, irrigating your vegetable <laughs> we have like seven different hoses okay so you know the joy <laughs> you know the joy of hose watering of watering in like five minutes and being done right it's the best part of summer oh my god okay small aside here i just learned that you can get a little sprayer attachment for your hose and mix your fertilizer in yes. the container yes. and then mm-hmm. spray yes. it out of the thing yes what yeah. is this? i did that it's all like last summer <gasps> and it's awesome all right yeah. we're starting this year brandon already bought it <laughs> yeah i mean i i did know about that because we use them at the nursery a lot not sharing all the good secrets <laughs> You well, left me out there to fertilize with my jugs of water for two years. Well, that's why the podcast is so important. Now everybody knows Do you, you can have a hose? siphon it. Do you have a hose sprayer? <laughs> <laughs> two important wow. questions. So, yeah. So that's kind of my setup. I've got the hose, I've got the greenhouse, and then the north-facing deck with the shelves. Um, yeah. That's where we're growing plants this summer. I, as for what I've brought outside, I think first I bring out, like, succulents kind of and like i brought an aloe outside snake plants go out pretty fast certain things that just have pests maybe like infestations i'm like well how about that mykins with thrips yeah the mykins no the mykins with thrips is the thrips aren't the thrips have been intense maybe this is a different subject like, but like in grow tents not in the <laughs> uh, intense oh my god the look at him just gave me oh my god <laughs> <laughs> all right moving right along the anyways yes things that things that have pests go out without kind of you kind of see if nature will do yeah, its thing I'm and like, bugs just, will yeah. kind of take over i that's survival of the fittest yep. exactly uh so i'm trying to think what else i put out early but yeah at this point we have a lot i have a lot of things outside i put my giant orchid cactus like my i a cereus oh, yeah. cactus. Oh, yeah. He was running out of room on top of that washing machine. <laughs> yeah, I was growing on top of my washing machine in an east-facing window. But, 
yeah, so that's kind of my that's my outdoor setup for this year. But how many plants did you leave inside? Oh, that's another question I wanted to ask you guys actually. Like, what what is your ratio and why? Like, which plants do you bring out, and which plants do you leave in, and like, what type of logic do you use when you're making those decisions? Are you asking? Maybe I should go first because you just asked me that. But I mean, I can. I was just thinking about my answer by giving you a funny look. Yeah, yeah. You. I want to hear, Caitlin. Like what? The first year I had plants outside, everything went outside because I had limited window space, and my one big bay window was covered by tree leaves. Uh, so I was like, I am screwed. So everything went outside. That was when I learned what likes what. So I definitely tried some stuff and too much sun and had to rehab a lot of my plants afterwards. But stuff that stays inside. Uh, most of my begonias are staying inside. I have a couple downstairs in the grow tent that I want to keep at higher humidity, like the Brevermosa. Mm-hmm. And I also have a uh, passing storm in a candy stripe. What's PFF? PFF? Whatever. I don't know what, exactly what it is. Uh, other plants that are staying inside, I have a Dracaena. Uh, Dracaena fragrance, corn plant. Regal Shield's staying inside right in my south-facing window, and he gets the whole window to himself. Um... I'm leaving a tie inside just in case someone comes and steals all my plants. I at least get mm. one one to still grow. Um, all my propagations, my little four-inch pots of shit I'm propagating to sell later is staying inside. Uh, it's just too much to wrangle all those four-inch pots outside. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd obviously rather water, water them with the hose, but ugh, there's no good way to soak them. They dry out too fast. So they're staying inside this summer. Uh, Aglaonemas are staying inside. I also have my philodendrons, like... Um, the yellow one, Moonlight, Prince of Orange, Rojo Congo. Those guys are all staying inside this year and they are getting the special spa treatment under my Soltec aspect lights because they're putting out these giant, massive leaves and I want that to continue. So, and then also last year I put them outside in too much light and they burned. So Mm. they spent all year recovering. So you've like, you've absolutely feel like you've learned some lessons about just but through trial and error, just through experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. another thing to think about, too, is the size of your leaves. So, Regal Shield, he's staying inside because I couldn't find a spot. He really loved it outside. But the other problem is he gets beat up by the wind. Mm. So, he has these big, beautiful leaves that are just giant sails that get caught in the wind, and then they mm. get fucked up. And then he falls over. And then another plant, too, that I grew outside last year, I grew him up against a tree. I grew a gigantium, philodendron gigantium, attached to a tree. Again, huge leaves. He got so fucking beat up. He got holes in his leaves and he looked like shit when I took him in. So I ended up just taking a top cut of his three vines and starting over. Mm-hmm. And now he's in the same position. Literally where he's huge. Giant all over again he, within. He's six within, feet tall. What is it? Like a year. Eight months. Like, yeah, less than or, a year. I guess. Let's see what I would have chopped him in either the end of September, beginning of October. So he was like a couple leaf top cut with aerial roots that I just threw in the pot. And kept it moist. He lives in my east-facing patio door because yeah. it's the only window big enough for him. I need. We need to do like some kind of a photo shoot with your giant, like your most giant plants, because I need to share them with the world. Oh, you want to share my? Plants? Yes, I want to share your plants. Yeah, Kaylin grows big plants. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I started off with tiny plants because <laughs> I'm cheap, so I don't. I try not to spend more than twenty-five dollars on a single plant because I'm like, what if I kill it? I can't bear to lose more than $25 if I kill something. Mm, right. um, there are just a couple of exceptions to that. But mm. everything I got was, you know, three inch, four inch pot, small little dude, a couple six inch pots. Uh, and then I've just grown it up for a couple years. And you give everything fertilizer and plenty of light and sometimes humidity and boom, you have a giant fucking plant. 
So, so you've learned basically certain things that have giant leaves. That's too dangerous. Like, or if you have a sheltered spot, yeah, if really sheltered, put it in a sheltered spot. My sheltered spot this year would be our new covered front porch. Um, Brandon built this beautiful roof thing out over our patio where it used to have this awful, skinny, weirdly disproportionate, ugly roof thing. Kind of forgot about that. Ugly railing and ugly posts. That was really just, well, I hated it. Disproportionate and ugly. Anyway, now we have this beautiful front porch and I'm uh-huh. going to have so many things out there. Sweet. But I could put I could put my gigantium under there. Sure. But he's not going to be getting enough light. Right. Okay. He's not going to get direct sun and ambient light's not really a thing. So I would rather just keep him in the window where he gets light. So pretty logical, like just based on shelter, like what kind of conditions you have. You have to consider at least plants tipping over. And I know you have to consider that putting things outside. It's like that's one thing that's beneficial, having it up against the fence like Christine or like having it right up against the wall. Just any kind of windbreak. Yeah, they mm-hmm. it just stops them from just sailing away. But even then, it's a... <laughs> Woo! <laughs> right they just j- leap to their deaths off of shelving like no not what you want you really have to be prepared right. for shit to get fucked up if you're willing yeah. to put your plants and, outside and like also if 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 you're putting your like your babies outside and you wake up in the middle of the night and there's just a crazy ass thunderstorm i've done it you run out in that rain and you you grab those plants you stick them in the greenhouse you bring them to the garage you bring them them in the house house. or or you're like me and you'll leave them so last year i don't know if you all remember at the beginning like june last year we had like three nights in a row of like tornado warnings and massive storms and stuff at that point i had only put out um at the time i had this giant peace lily or it's technically called a sensation lily which is just like a peace lily on steroids. It's got massive leaves and that was outside. And so I'm literally watching it just get whipped around. <laughs> like one of those dudes at the car, the and car, Adrian, the car sale lot. Adrian's yeah. like, do you want to bring that in? I'm like, it's in its element. That's what it would get in the wild. It would be, it's probably super happy that it, that's happening right now. Also, like, you hated that it was a peace lily. And I hated it. And I got rid of it in the fall anyway. <laughs> but I mean, it, it did. It loved it. It threw out like three pups. It like, that thing grew a ton outside last year. Give me more daddy. Right. <laughs> okay i mean i mean that is part of it right like they are being in their natural i mean they're probably habitat. a little more sheltered Tropical. if they're in the forest mm. maybe or i, I guess they call them jungles yeah the ju- it's a it's a jungle if there are monkeys somewhere nearby i would that's how i would that's how i would differentiate between because i was talking to Delat and he's like why he was calling it the jungle when we were walking outside in minnesota here and i'm like if i was trying to figure out like no if there's no monkeys it's not a jungle i mean what about you are you the monkey I mean, I guess I'm a hominid. We are... Okay. Touchy we're not subject. Gonna, touchy subject. Yeah, we're, we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into uh, this is creationism a plant podcast, versus evolution. Uh, anyways, but I want to hear also, Christine, like how do you make decisions about which plants... I mean, you kind of touched on that a little bit with the Hoya yeah. like temperature gauge thing, but... I'm a touch less logical in that anything in soil goes outside hmm. because of... It takes me two minutes to water everything and I'm done, which is only about 10% of my collection. Um, I do two things that are not in soil or sorry, two things that are in soil that will not go outside. I haven't decided for sure they're not going outside are my elbow and my tie because of, you know, we've heard horror stories of people's stuff getting taken out of their backyards and even though i'm like on a private road i'm just nervous like i don't want those are two plants what different 10 10 different other townhomes in your little turnaround area so any of those people could six um and yeah those are the type of plants that if 
you know, you don't have to be a plant parent to realize that that's probably worth some money, those mm-hmm. two plants specifically. So they're going to stay inside um, until I maybe decide later if they will actually benefit from some time outside. I don't know. They're still acclimating. Um, and then as far as Lekka plants go, because Lekka outdoors is not as fun. You know, it's nice indoors because if you spill, it's easy to pick up. When it's outside, it's not as easy to oh try and track Don't everything down me. or if they start to roll. My croton fell over and I haven't picked it up yet. Yeah. In a 10-inch Leka pot. There's a bunch of Leka out there. Oh, I just left it. <laughs> and and then, 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 then it's the whole, like, what do you do as far as a catch pot? Because I have some pots that I've, like, drilled a hole in the side instead of so that it, like, will overflow out mm-hmm. if it holes are a full. third the way up so that when the water reaches right. that it level rains. it then drains you're not off. like dealing yep. with a like a whole bucket of leka floating in right water. and i actually go a little higher i do more like closer to half for the mm. outdoor stuff just since they can dry out that much faster yeah. if it mm. gets hot out you're so kind and there's yeah, that, that too i just let my croton sit I, and I'm it's glad floating just let my croton sit in floating pool of water every time it rains. And right. I and then go remember to dump it. This is something to talk about when, but something to consider is if it's, you know, three, four days of 90 degrees in a row, you, you want to be watering almost daily. Um, and like a stuff that dries out in like hours, it, mm-hmm. it gets so dry because it just literally evaporates out. So that's, I, I really am picky and choosy on what like a plants go outside right now. It's just the sunrise and my alocasia shanty. Yeah. Uh, where we're at, it's kind of like a swampy something or whatever we have lots of frogs and toads so last year i would always find a little frog friend in my reservoir of my croton in a eight inch like pot and i would always say hello friend and i'd have to make sure i didn't squish him when i put the plant back in yeah i mean i uh, probably annoyed him woke him up all the time yeah i mean that's kind of like gift and a curse at the same time like don't want to squish the frog but i also like the frog mm-hmm. so but no i'm glad you mentioned um i'm glad you mentioned theft and I'm glad you talked about Lekka as well, mm-hmm. because that definitely factored in, into my decision, the the Lekka, mm-hmm. at least. Um, I actually, I think I did this last spring too, but a bunch of the Lekka stuff, that it just does so well in grow tents because, you know, soil, especially if when you're propagating in soil, it can be a little bit difficult in a grow tent where there's super high humidity because mm-hmm. it just, the soil never really dries. At least that's been my experience with it. I find the humidity in my grow tent fluctuates throughout the day, so it can get really low, mm. and then it'll get really high, and then it just goes back and forth. Well, it's never consistent. Sure. It, I guess it depends on the exact conditions, but at least in my grow tents, it's like when I put soil and I try to propagate, and there's no roots growing through that soil, things can get, like, we can get fungus gnats going on. What and do you have for ventilate or not ventilation, but air movement? What do you have circulating talk, your we air? We can talk about that in a grow tent. Completely different episode. Specific episode. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to circle. You have to. You have to. Wait, cycle I, I do have fans. I do have fans in my tent. Yeah, but the point is the Lekka plants that I do love growing, propagating like plants and Lekka in my grow tents. When it comes to spring, I actually wind up transferring a bunch of stuff to soil just so I can go outside and be like so much simpler to take care of. Yeah, I've got three philodendrons that i think i'm going to just transfer to soil and then in a couple weeks throw them outside for the rest of the summer and they'll probably just stay in soil after that yeah. philodendrons don't like leca Ex- well they love to root in leca right they don't want to grow in it long correct right so Proce- that would be unless my- you're unless you're bailey and then you can get them to do it but not yeah. if you're us i think like when you're using active hydroponic systems that's a different philodendrons and aeroids can really go yes. nuts in leca however 
what was I gonna say? Passive. I, I had another thing. Yeah, passive. They get like they go a little stagnant they kind over of time. Yeah. But oh, I was gonna say something else. When we're since we're talking about grow tents and then putting us stuff outside, I've found that stuff acclimates much more quickly when it's just been sitting in my plant room at like kind of ambient humidity with mm. a little bit of extra humidity added from a humidifier going from that to the outdoors in minnesota seems to do better than like 90 percent humidity from a terrarium or a grow tent and going out to the greenhouse even when there's a humidifier in there especially if i'm transferring it like transplanting it from leca to soil and putting it outside that it's some things suffer a little bit from that like humidity drop combined with like a meat switching media growing media right that could be why my pasta is mad at me right now because it was in the tent at like 86 to 90 percent humidity and then i was like here you go outdoor see in my plants i know that want that i don't even bother with them outside because i know it's not gonna be consistent so like, so you think i should maybe bring my pasta back in oh you're you can acclimate your pasta if you want to um those can live out in regular humidity if you want so you could just let them suffer or do it slowly but yeah i feel like we did talk about this earlier but like the 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 cost benefit we touched on it earlier but like the cost benefit of like okay this plant's going outside and it's suffering but maybe it'll burn maybe a few of the leaves will burn but then hopefully the the idea is that it's going to acclimate and then start pushing out leaves so much faster that you won't even remember like those sad indoor leaves that are like burnt and at the bottom of the plant so you're gonna suffer but you're gonna be happy about it (laughs) i'm a big proponent of that of you need to stress your plants a little bit to actually get some decent results sometimes yeah because that's just how again like in nature that's what happens they they get beat up and what do they do they they want to live they strive to live so that they're gonna they're gonna push something out to try and hold on totally and i think that goes along with like as the longer you, you grow plants, like the easier it is to just chop them up, repot them, toss them around. Like you kind of just are like, oh my god, you're getting the chop. And <laughs> yeah, and I have my insurances too. Yeah, with the plant that goes outside, like I have my insurances, especially my allocations. I've taken corms off of everything before I take them out in case you know they don't come back. And there's always, even if I lost every single leaf, I'm down to a corm. It will come back. Well, and you have a bunch of plant friends also growing your corms, correct? So you can call in that favor. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> I took some cuttings of some ficus the other day, and even when I cut up my, uh, I cut up a bunch of fiddle leaf figs to propagate. I am just tossing those little shits around. You mm-hmm. wouldn't believe it. And I threw some ficus cuttings that I brought for Katie on the table at the planty get together that we had on Sunday, and someone was like, "Be careful with those." And I was like, <laughs> "They're fine." <laughs> I hope just they had a I've British been... accent when they said it too. That, that wasn't an accent. It sounded British. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> about it that's uh, the other podcast where the yeah <laughs> oh the, the podcast where we talk with british accents uh, um yeah i manhandle my ficus all of them yeah i think but also part of it is like i also feel like m- more willing to just like i will separate the material however i want and just throw it into different types of soil and especially having backups like you just mentioned christine and having also the the season on my side like seasonally like we're just moving into the best part of the growing season right yeah. now we're moving into the like the dog days you know like uh as long as the heat wave goes away right yeah the drought's a little crazy but i feel like we should also mention for people that are potentially listening to this podcast in 
different states mm -hmm. and different some states. Zones. Right. Like if you're in Florida or Hawaii. Oh, God, don't like, take our advice. Like this is going to be a totally different scenario because you're just kind of you can kind of grow outside all say, year yeah. unless there's some kind of crazy storm coming or like crazy temperature swing that is unusual. But and then also in like different states throughout the contiguous U.S., it's like the time when you can bring stuff out is going to be different. But generally speaking, you watch the you watch the you temperatures. Just, you just watch those overnight lows. You watch for like any crazy spikes, and you can kind of just go from there. Did you all bring anything in last week when it got down to like forty eight? I forgot. I didn't realize <laughs> it happened until the next morning, and someone I was on Facebook yeah, was like, was "Who posting. brought their stuff in?" I was like whoops what are you bringing in i, I guess like, should i i just looked outside and i was like in? everything looks fine i think my greenhouse got <laughs> down good. to 46 that night and i was like well nobody's dead yeah wow but. i forgot to mention this in my like description my setup my outdoor setup but i totally use a space heater in my greenhouse oh wow. yeah um, but you're ballsy about it am i yeah because you told me you're like you probably shouldn't do that caitlin my first year so i've never bothered oh yeah i mean i've also heard horror stories about heaters like just destroying entire collections of plants because oh they never turned gosh. off or something like that, which that terrified me. Or they start the greenhouse but, on fire. Right. But I... That happened I, in Maple Grove. We can talk about that. I swear I... <laughs> oh, no. I swear, like, I don't sleep quite as soundly at night when I'm doing that. But mm. at the same time, I've, I have this one heater and I've learned to trust it. Like, we have a relationship. And if it, if it betrays me... I was going to say it's going to cheat on you. Yeah, Another better fucking cheat on you. So I have, I have a question, Adam, <laughs> and this is absolutely not like this is me kind of being dumb and not realizing the answer. In your greenhouse outside, you've said that you now have a space heater and a humidifier. And a fan. And a fan. You, How often do you let outdoor air in? I pretty much consistently keep the vents cracked okay. in the ceiling there are a, there's a vent on each side of the ceiling yeah so those it's like a it's like a balancing act kind of because i'm trying to keep humidity in but i also need to let heat out right in the summer like because we haven't really gotten into the heat the hottest right. days i i can i try to keep the grow tent as cool as possible when we're in the 90s mm -hmm. and even 100 degrees fahrenheit it's like I, I'm like taking on my lunch break from work. I'm like coming home and like sp spraying down the inside of the and outside of the tent. I'm like, cr I have the humidifier just cranked all the way up. Fans cranked all the way up. Just moisture and circulation mm -hmm. is going to help keep things cool, which I think is relevant, quite relevant for growing outside in the summer because yes, there's a lot of humidity in the summer in Minnesota, but also there's a lot of dry uh, dryness like there's the air yeah, can get super consistent. dry and dusty and windy mm -hmm. and sometimes smoky can i add like the plants don't like dry oh, like dusty wind and smoke yeah. like that's just not it's not simulating the rainforest you right. know um, i was i was just gonna like to me that sounded like you were almost replicating your indoor growing situation so my dumb question was gonna be is it is it really benefiting your plants if you're just replicating the indoors, it sounds like? But obviously, it I works. I think the light is different. Just like yeah. the, the daylight, is it, it isn't necessarily replicating my indoor. And that's really what I'm putting them out. The temperature cycles are, are different, too. Mm -hmm. I'm not using the heat. The only time I'm using that heater is through May. Typically, usually in June, I'm not needing to. But 
in in the beginning, I have it there. If I need it, I'm watching those nightly lows. So then if we're going into territory that I don't particularly like in terms of temperature, mm-hmm. I can just move all the plants that are outside that might be sensitive into that greenhouse use the little like keep the keep the heater on low it's just a space heater keep it on low and use the like thermostat setting Mm -hmm. to keep it somewhere in the right range and And i use it i use it in the fall too what is the low temperature range that you don't like basically as soon as i'm seeing in the 40 degree range as soon as it's below 50 i'm kind of like they probably won't appreciate the 40 degree range that much so that's yeah so that's kind of the situation with that I want to swing back to your question and answer what I do with my ventilation. Mm. So in my, uh, in my house, ha ha ha. With my tent, I keep my vents open all the time. I have a couple little rolly dudes on the bottom sides. Keep those open all the time. Um, I don't have any like ceiling vents or anything. Um, but then I run two fans to circulate the air. And I, the first year I would, or the second year, let's see. The first year I just used box fans and I would turn them off at night. And then the second year, I got the better fans because I didn't like the box fans. They were annoying. So I got the ones you can mount um, for, like, grow tents or whatever. Mount them on a wall. I got some lovely two-by-four planks thrown up in there, attached with some zip ties. But those two fans cycle the air so that the whole air circulates inside the greenhouse every minute. It, you know, it can be 110 degrees in there and or outside, and it's nice and... It's totally manageable because of how much the air is circulating in the greenhouse. But I never close the vents, never turn the fans off. Um, sometimes I'll throw the door open if I'm home. Otherwise, I'll keep it zipped. But everything stays open all the time in my house. I'm cool. also not concerned about humidity. But I just want that airflow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it seems to it seems to be just as effective. So I, it seems like that is also a really good solution for... You just have to find some way to manage temperature i think especially inside of a greenhouse that's getting any kind of direct sun when i get direct sun most of the day right right so it's different than mine too because i'm only getting direct sun for like the first half of the afternoon and kind of the second half of the morning on only half of the greenhouse the, the part that's further away from my house and not getting the shade from my house and then in the later afternoon the the maple tree kind of shades it but now, you have shade cloths. I do. On your greenhouse, too. What yep. percentage are you using? Right now, I have a 40% shade cloth on it, but only because it's been cooler and it's been hazy. And I feel like the the smoke and the haze in the air from the fires in Canada have made it, like, have, like, dampened the intensity of the sun somewhat. So, I, yeah. like, it's just been consistent. It was consistently hazy until we got that crazy rainstorm like a mm-hmm. few days ago. But and now it's supposed to be getting hot again. So I'm monitoring the temperature. I'm like gonna throw my larger seventy percent shade cloth back over it. With the giant maple tree above your greenhouse, do you ever take the shade cloths off? Yeah, I think when we get, especially when we get like overcast days, and I, it's a bunch of them in a row. I I like I will peel back the shade cloth and just let the natural light stream in so it's kind of it's kind of a a lot of work let's just say that like uh because sometimes it's overcast in the morning i'm like oh pull a shade cloth right off and then like i get to work and then it's like oh this all the clouds have burned out and it's hot sun and you're you're very committed to that 
Yeah. I don't go out and flip my shade cloths around. It's one and done. Yeah. After acclimating is done. Right. I think I'm, and that's just this, that's just the way we're different about growing plants. Like I'm much more like generally just like sensitive and like careful with all the little plants. Are you saying I'm not sensitive (laughs) and not careful? (laughs) No, I'm just saying you, you're just a little bit more like light. Like let's just take, (laughs) take the light, (laughs) take it. You know, I'm kind of like light, <laughs> and it totally. And the thing is, like, you grow some of these giant ass plants, so it it totally pays off. But I'm just like a little bit more, and maybe this is different because I've definitely spent more money on some of the plants that I oh, have dear Lord, compared have. to what your like twenty five dollar like. Hey, I've traded general I got some limit. sweet shit out there. Yeah, you got some <laughs> rare stuff too. But, it. but I guess I w- I would just say like that has impacted my decision in the past to be just a little bit more cautious about how much light and i'm like every node counts on this plant so i can't afford to sacrifice anything um but yeah so i have a shade cloth i have a maple tree the maple tree helps but it also sucks because it's always dropping things into my plants like it's always (laughs) dropping little helicopters and like you know that's just a whole other thing on it in itself so uh, I want since you talked about your shade cloths, I'm going to talk about my shade cloths. Um, so uh, for acclimating, I have the 70% that I throw on there, and remember that I'm in full sun. Um, I'll do the the week at 70, and then for the plants that are going to live outside, I do the week at 40. Uh, I did that for the house plants, the tropicals that live in the greenhouse all summer long last year as well. But I got a feeling that at 40%, like a lot of the philodendrons were like, hmm. I don't know about this. I didn't feel like they grew as fast as they could have. The alocasia were fine. They loved it. They're little whores for light, honestly. Uh, but this year, I'm going to try... I got a 50% coming on Thursday. So I'm going to try 70% to acclimate and then drop it down to a 50% for the rest of the summer. And I'm just going to watch how stuff grows. Mm-hmm. And like I'm used to rapid growth in the greenhouse and in my south-facing windows. So I'm going to see if I can up that i guess with the 50 right and you know if it gets to it i might try a 60 or you know i might even see if it ends up being the 70 gets me the best growth all summer that would be i could leave it on it that, that would be fine i just you know i'm a whore for lights so i'm like the more the be- the more the the more the better the more the merrier Blah. words i want to he- i want to hear about like we've kind of top talked about this a little bit but i also want to hear about like more specifically the pros and cons of putting plants outside. Like I was just thinking about kind of like the theft thing. Like you always have to consider that. And it depends also like Christine, I don't know, is your growing space that, that Western space, is that like exposed to the main road or is that like a backyard situation? It's not, it's a private road off of a private road off of a, residential road off of a main road so i i'm pretty <laughs> secure all things and considered but just my own anxiety sure just can't oh your first year putting plants outside you're terrified yeah i wouldn't call it well that. last year i put like the rarest plant i put outside last year was my parizo verde mm-hmm. and i was terrified that someone's going to take that but no then it's not take that this well year. <laughs> it's not variegating so i was like well, no yeah. one cares anymore all it's just a my green plant. verdes are totally green i've got like yeah. five it's props scam. Yeah, um, the Pariso Verdes, Melon- Melanochrysums, Birkins. Yeah. Trash yeah. plants, trash plants. <laughs> I, do, I do like a good Birkin, though, if you can get it to... Cooperate. Yeah, cooperate and Maybe not if they grew faster. On you. Mm. Oh, mine grew great. Mm. So, but the, the point is, and also I think 
with the theft thing, like if you're if you're like on top of all the trending plants and you have all, the only sheltered space you have outside to grow plants is like directly facing where all the neighbors and everybody that walks or drives by can see them. Yeah, definitely take that into consideration. But my space is all all my houseplants are confined to a place that you cannot see from the alley or from the road unless you you're like fence. climbing. Yeah, I also have a fence. I also have a pit bull that roams the yard randomly and she does and not like terror. anybody to come up to the fence that she doesn't know. Good guard dog. So there's there's different things that go into it, but all of, we, even with all of that, you know, 2020, 2021, when I was putting stuff outside, things were different. Like things were in terms of theft, like, and in terms of like how voracious people were for the rare stuff and how bottlenecked the markets were for getting your hands on the rare stuff. Like anything that I was able to find, I was like much, much carefuler about what I was putting outside. Whereas now I feel like the stuff that I have, you can find it. You can find it other places now. Like if you, if, if you really are going to go so far as to, like find my house, climb my fence, fight Steal my pit bull, and then run away with like this plant. It's like okay, you know what? Go for it. But don't uh, don't invite that, Adam. Yeah. yeah, maybe not publicly. But you know what? It's th- that's how I kind of feel now with the theft thing. Um, but it's still, you should be you should be aware of that as a potential con of growing plants outside. I also think another one could be like stability like certain plants that are just growing so well inside your house in a certain place i don't think you i mean you don't you could put it outside maybe it'll maybe it'll grow better but if it's just pumping out beautiful growth and blooming if it's a hoya or whatever if you would be devastated to fuck it up right like if it's if it's just coasting along and just doing its thing inside maybe consider keeping that where right where it is and it'll still benefit from longer probably longer daylight hours especially here so far in the north where the days in the summer are like they add just hours and hours of daylight to the growing period each day right so and if you're new to putting plants outside maybe start with a couple that you know are hardier or that you care less about see how those go practice acclimating don't necessarily just throw it out in full sun without expecting terrible things to happen and just go from there yeah you can always put more out later or if you buy something at a nursery it's already semi acclimated to being in higher light a higher outdoor situation so just leave it outside instead of bringing it right away inside that's what i did with my melania gold slash golden crocodile last year it just stayed hanging out outside and it loved it it's back outside this summer and it's already absolutely adoring it you know if the plant too if it the genus wants higher light, like ficus or like a succulent or a cactus. Mm-hmm. You know, those can probably tolerate brighter light conditions. But just know something like a begonia or a philodendron are going to be a lot more sensitive. Or a fern. Ooh, ferns. Yeah. 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 So just. I thought ferns like being outside. Yeah. Ferns, some ferns do. But like, like they ferns. all love you being outside. You just have to be careful, to extra home. careful with direct <laughs> sun because you're like. You know, you're like, oh, it's only like an hour of direct sun. Well, an hour of direct sun on a fern that's been in like a sh- fully shaded spot in your house for all, all for like six months or whatever that's gonna that's gonna be enough to especially if it's slightly dry to begin with when it's getting hit with that amount of light okay, uh, that's gonna be not great for right. that one but 
I also wanted to ask you guys about pest control too, because if we're talking about bringing plants in and out for the summer, like for the warmer months, what I think that's gonna that's an important thing to discuss. So, how do you just is it is there any different thing that you do with plants that you bring outside versus plants that you just keep inside all year, or what's your approach to dealing with pests outside? Uh, first off, don't use pesticides outside. Correct. You're gonna kill the bees and the pollinators. So, or make sure it's systemic free at the at a minimum. Oh goddamn! Do not put systemic granules in the soil of the plants you bring outside. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm don't very much it. a everything just gets hosed, if not once a week. Or for sure, every time I water, you know, I just, I just, a good old spray down. Because you are going to have just that natural, you know, beneficial bugs are outside that you don't, you might not necessarily have inside your house unless you are purposefully releasing beneficial bugs inside. There are beneficial bugs outside that will help keep your pest problems down. And there's also neutral bugs who are just going to be on your plants who aren't doing a damn thing. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I specifically am dealing with spider mites because of how dry it's been Mm -hmm. um but i think like come july it's not going to be nearly as much of an issue once it starts getting humid and And there's other bugs that can eat them and rain happens and rain knocks stuff off or explodes aphids like i I, did you guys know that aphids like actually explode when they get hit with water like they just like their little bodies can't handle it and they just good we need to figure out how to get a macro lens on an aphid so we can spray it with water (laughs) and watch it explode in slow motion oh i can do that i have the fam i have the camera gear Okay, well, yeah. now we know what... If I get fucking aphids, I'm going to explode all those little fucking shits. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a really bad aphid you know, Oh, yeah. well, yeah. So, Hoyas yeah. and aphids are just... Uh, cool. Coming in from the greenhouse, um, during the summer, I had aphids on my Hoya Sunrise and my Hoya Hoyskeliana variegata. I was like, I'll spray them down every now and again when they're outside. No big deal, right? Okay, they come inside. I'm like, okay, we got to treat these bugs. I treated them, treated them, treated them. was diligent. And they fucking still kept coming back. They were in Lekka. So I was like, I can just wash them out. Oh, no, you can't. Nope. I should have repotted those little shits. They Ugh. just keep coming. Took forever. And then um, uh, Alyssa was like, Dawn dish soap in a bath, dunk the plant, let it sit for just like a couple seconds so all the bugs can like jump off or whatever. And I was like, all right, we are killing these things. So I let my Hoya Sunrise sit in the Dawn bath for like five minutes, pulled it out, killed all the bugs, sunburned all my leaves. Or sunburned residue i don't i don't know it like so it left, it left soap on the plant and then and you then put it, it in went a bright under the spot light. i let mm. it dry out overnight but i think it, i don't know if it just absorbed something but from, yeah, all my leaves got from what i've learned dawn dish soap specifically is what's really harsh on leaves that's where like castile soap yeah and i probably should have just choice. done like a shorter dunk but i did five minutes because i was determined to kill those little shits yeah but generally speaking when you bring plants in that have been outside or like when you're treating pest infestations that are outside. Oh, you, coming back in, you were... Right. I'm just saying in general, like if yeah. we're talking about, I guess we're talking about specifically for this episode, I guess more bringing things outside mm-hmm. and growing stuff outside. But um, I, for at least for the place where I'm growing all my plants outside, it's on top of a, a deck and there's no like plants growing right underneath it because they all get shaded out by the deck. So I do use organic spray, like pesticides outside. I'll spray with neem specifically. Um, But I've just noticed thrips on, like there are thrips attacking my peonies Mm. outside right now. There are thrips attacking the flowers on my potted annual pots. It's kind of wild. And I like, 
I really don't like that. So I'm kind of thinking of putting beneficials on those. This is a totally different topic, but like getting beneficial bugs to like treat thrips on my outdoor gardens mm-hmm. um, and aphids on my milkweed patch because the aphids, like the ants, like farm them on milkweed. It's crazy. Um, but because things are outside, there, yes, there's natural uh, beneficial bugs, but there's also exposure to things like thrips if you put plants outside you just have to be aware that you could you could in encounter pests that you've never seen before if you've only ever grown plants inside and the first time you see a new pest is the scariest and because you first you don't recognize it right away it can get out of control so if if you're just starting to put stuff outside for the first time just be on the lookout for like any sign like any kind of mutated new growth that's coming out anything that looks suspicious just keep a close eye on it at least for the that first season in Mm -hmm. particular because you'll probably see things that you you haven't hopefully you won't but you might um yeah but i mean the pros i think totally outweigh the cons right i think just the this level of growth you can see in things and a lot of people in their houses, they don't have south-facing windows. They don't have the best light, especially people who live in really shady, wooded areas. They don't get a whole lot of light for their house plants. So putting those plants outside and watching that growth explode, they're finally getting the light they deserve. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, totally just, worth not it. Not just for, like, not just trees, but also, like, people live... People that live close to other houses or other buildings that block light from coming through their windows... Um, just moving it outside can just it so dramatically increases the amount of like light that it's getting something that i thought we could mention too is this is like something that i think about personally i don't think a lot of people do but i like growing my plants against a wall and then or like i like having darkness behind my plants and light in front of them so all the, the leaves face the same direction especially on my aeroids it just in my hoyas that are climbing like or trailing things. I appreciate having everything facing the same direction so I can look at it. You know, it's in an the aesthetic. Com- in the competition circle, that is frowned upon. I was going to say, I'm completely opposite. <laughs> I am turning stuff really? all the time to try and get it nice and even around. I love the way it looks. I, th- I See, just... I'm, I'm Team Adam here. I'm Like, if all my leaves are facing the window, they're all getting light and they're all photosynthesizing. So that's going to give me better growth faster. I didn't even think about it that way. I, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it purely from an aesthetic standpoint. I just like picking up a plant and showing it to someone. And like, you can see every single leaf on that plant. Um, so when you, but when I'm growing outside, that's something that I've encountered is like, there's 360 degree light coming at this thing. <laughs> and I'm like trying to find like position them all. I mean, not, not for the ones that I grow right against my house, but for the ones that I grow in my greenhouse, sometimes it's like, they're trying to grow into the wall of that greenhouse mm-hmm. and because there's le- that's where the light's coming from. So that's an interesting thing that I've noticed uh, growing outside too that I don't have to, usually don't have to think about when I'm growing inside. Um, yeah, I have the awful problem with my alocasia is that they're all used to facing the one window and so all the leaves are facing the one way and they have such long little like petioles yeah. and it's just like this little waterfall cascade rainbow shape. So I have to pay, put them facing where they go because I don't know how they would manage to... Like, they'd probably eventually figure out how, where to move, but like I'm never going to get that beautifully rounded shape on my fry deck. Yeah. Right. 
permanently going to be facing one direction. Right. I think you're you're always going to have. I mean, there's a lot of plants when you're moving them outside. There's just going to be that period of like, oh, it doesn't look great in the beginning, but once if you can keep it alive, once it once it starts to put out leaves outside, it's going to be incredible. Well, like you're saying, you're definitely going to see some damage. You're not always going to see damage. Correct. Depending on how you acclimate, what your conditions are, how fast you go. If you're like Christine and just mm-hmm. say, ah, fuck it. Or if you're like Kaylin who has a four-week regimen <laughs> to try <laughs> and minimize burning on your shit. That's true. That's true. So yeah, and you, it dep- you could expect it, be prepared for it. It might not happen, sure. but it might. I think that, and your the probability goes up the more plants we're talking about here. So, like, if you've got a hundred plants and you're trying to move those hundred plants outside, you're more likely to have at least one or two that respond poorly. But I think that's part of growing plants, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. it's it's a constant learning process, and that's what makes it fun. If you you just put out of this percentage that you put outside, these ones, ex, uh, you know, this these particular genus starts to explode with growth or like these particular varieties do really, really poorly, then you know in the future, like, okay, maybe keep those inside in the window and do just focus on the ones that you know will just reward you for putting them outside. And plant care is a cycle too. So, you know, just say your plant looks like shit right now because it got sunburned because you put it outside in direct sun. It's going to grow new leaves. You can chop off the old leaves if you feel like it. It's going to grow new ones give it time it's gonna recycle recycle hot plants don't recycle it'll look fine just give it time to grow back an absolute worst case scenario you take it down to a butt cut and just start over yeah chop all that leaf off i wanted to ask you something kaylin now that you've been since you grow with since you grow with a greenhouse outside have you noticed any plants not necessarily the full sun ones but just like have you noticed any plants that grow better just in full shade outside than they do under a shade cloth in the greenhouse so we're still talking shaded conditions we're just right like shade plants so like aeroids and it's and such i i mean i know what grows better with a shade cloth versus without a shade cloth but i don't necessarily know what's going to grow better if it's in shade outside or under a shade cloth in full sun right i've found that like I remember specifically my philodendron Jose Bono last summer. I had one in my greenhouse under 70% shade cloth. And I had one just like outside right against, like right in the corner, like full complete shade, no, almost no direct sun at all. Uh, under that maple tree on the north side of my house, basically. And it, the one just outside without the humidifier, without the fans, without the shade cloth, the one outside did way better. And it grew massive leaves, and I'm. It, it was basically in the same exact condition. Were you as using your seventy percent shade cloth? Yeah, the seventy percent shade cloth. That's gonna be why. But I've also had different pl- experiences where the opposite happens. And they and, just prefer less light. And they pref- and the ones inside the greenhouse do better. Maybe it's a. Uh, maybe it's less light. Maybe it's the humidity, but that's why I was asking you because it was just something interesting that I found. The a couple Hoya groups I'm in, they there's some people in there that swear by hanging their Hoyas in trees during the summertime, putting so them th- back in their natural habitat. Yeah, so they're basically in full shade all day because they're just hanging out. Well, not full shade, but you know it's mostly covered. Sure. And they absolutely take off in mm. during the summertime, just hanging out in trees. I wonder if it'd be the same for orchids too. Oh, I'm sure. 
I feel like none of us really grow. Like, do you guys grow orchids? This is totally that a is a slippery slope that I <laughs> Simone has been trying to get me on. And Shout out Simone! It's gonna happen someday, and it's it's, it's gonna be bad. Oh, beware! I kind of like I kind of want to dip my toe. Like, especially have... Tonkadale has started to stock some of the like fancy Cooler. orchids, oh. and I'm like I stare at them. and I'm like they're so pretty. So I someday. We'll get into orchids just yeah. so I can get good at them so that I can grow a naked man orchid. <laughs> that is gold. Or a Dracula. Me. Is it the Dracula orchid? That mm. one's really cool too. That one's cool too. Maybe I'll grow both, but I can't. I ha- I'll have to start it with the Phalaenopsis and work my way up yeah. to harder stuff because the naked man <laughs> orchid I hear is expert level. I'm totally a sucker. There's like if uh, before that um, Orchids Limited in Plymouth. Oh, yeah. That like or, or basically an orchid specific greenhouse retailer in the twin cities um before they closed their doors to the public i would go in there and walk around and they had some i'm kind i realize i'm kind of a sucker for like the orchids that have really cool foliage because there's some that have like purple modeling and different colored modeling on the foliage and also have really gnarly blooms Mm -hmm. and i could see myself I could see myself working into those. <laughs> right now, I just have the jewel orchids, which is, that's kind of a different type of culture. Right. So, But I can see people growing potentially orchids in trees mm-hmm. in the summer, too. I can't wait to see what, you know, when we're all 50 years old, what our plant collections look like. <laughs> My Maybe we'll all just be into, like, one of us will just be into Hoyas, and one of us will just be into orchids. Orchids. And, and, you, and you'll be doing, like, insane bonsai. Ooh. Or, like, you'll be growing coral in a tank. I will not be doing that because my ex was into salt water. Oh, you, I remember you mentioning you, that. <laughs> oh. Okay. I well. love the coral. I love the coral, but I am not a fish tank cleaning person. I refuse. I hate it. <laughs> I had a gold fish tank when I was little for a couple years. Fucking hated it. I'm I not will either. never do it. No fish tanks for me. Oh, I was going to say fish tanks and reptiles and all that. That's a whole other level of like. We yeah. are getting off topic. And- we are totally. I, I think. <laughs> How many episodes is this? Okay, so just to, to finish, let's just to finish off, I want to hear about your, like, in your opinion, like, your biggest success stories, maybe, like, your biggest success story growing a plant outside. Uh, what has that been? What, like, what has, wh- or, like, what have been examples of plants that have made you want to put your plants outside for a second year in a row, for a third year in a row? Like, what are the big ones that have, that have like, changed your mind or, like, convinced you? Hoya Callistophylla and Ficus Taniki. Those are my first two. Because, again, that Hoya Callistophylla, it, it, some of your Hoya heads will say it only grows for three months out of the year. And it's, no, it, it will grow year round if you give it the right conditions. You're just bad at Hoyas. And else. if you give it the high light and you give it, it doesn't necessarily want high humidity, but definitely wants high light. And so, mm. like I said, it had been getting some peduncles on me and then it, it had been exploding them while I was inside. Literally within three days after I put it outside, it was blooming. What do you mean exploding them? So Hoya is just kind of like, and I, there's it like, multiple. It like blasts. It. Yeah, it's, it's multiple different thought processes of why they do this. They will, they will grow a peduncle. The peduncle will start to grow blooms. They will get to the point of opening and it'll drop it off. Oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, and there's so many different thought processes of why they do that. Like okay. they, some people say you want to keep them moister when they're doing that so they can support the bloom. Some say... You know, you don't want to stress them out. You don't want them too light, how much, too much humidity, whatever. Sure. Um, just like your friends who canceled plans last minute. Yeah. I didn't hear anything you just said. <laughs> your friends who cancel their plans oh, last yeah, minute. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah, it gets you all excited and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, it literally within three days it had thrown out a peduncle. I was like, I'm doing this. And then a week later it was open and in my easily the prettiest blooms I have had yet in any of my Hoyas. And if not debatably one of the prettiest blooms period in Hoyas. And then the Taniki, like the ficuses, the, those leaves just get ginormous. And they're outside. sexy. And like, t- and like tightly spaced, like yep. dense foliage, glossier, like brighter colors. Yeah. Like the, the, Today on plants that sexually contrast. turn you on. Yeah. What'd you say? And that's another one. That. That's another one where people are like, it's such a slow grower. And it's like, no. Give oh, yeah. it 1600 foot candles and, and it will go crazy. That <laughs> 16 hours yeah. a day, damn it. Yeah. Um, no. I, I, I agree with that. Mine just went nuts. I had like a couple, like, you know, two foot, two and a half feet ficus I threw together in the pot. And by the end of the summer, they had grown just holy fucking yeah. shit. The, we're talking specifically about like the ficus elastica varieties. Yes. Correct. Um, but also fiddle leaf. Fiddle leaf, yeah. And yellow gem. That and thing my, went nuts outside. Bonsai. Like those, that one loves it out, outside as well. But I think also before I hear about your success stories, Kaylin, I want to throw one more thing in there. It just reminded me of when you said the foot candles thing, Christine, mm-hmm. like fertilize. That's got to change too. When you put plants outside, the frequency of watering and fertilizing has to go up. up yeah. um, and that's going to also just increase the success stories that you have, I think. All right, my plant mm-hmm. success story. I had a, I got a plumeria seedling. Um, I bought two, one for me and one for my sister uh, because I killed her cutting because she couldn't get it to root. And then I took it and I killed it. So she bought it at the state fair. Um, so I grew it one year in the window of the apartment. I had like a foot tall stick, right? And then I was like, okay, we're going to do this this year. First year I can put it outside. I read up all the f- plumeria blogs and I put it in a bigger pot and I put the Excalibur plumeria fertilizer on it and I put it outside and that little one foot stick turned into like a five foot plant with leaves the length of my forearm. Whoa. It was nuts. He was, he was insane. And then the next year I had to chop him cause he was too tall. Mm-hmm. Propped him, just stuck his little cutting back in his pot. Same thing. Oh my God. And guess what? I'm hoping for blooms this year. <laughs> really yeah. hoping I get to see what color his blooms are cause he's at the mature stage where it should happen now. And the blooms on a plumeria big? No. You know the, you the Hawaiian lays? Uh-huh. It's those flowers. Oh. Those really cute I hope it flowers. blooms, They look too. fake. They if look it, like candy, yeah. If it blooms, I'm coming over so I can see them in person. I'll have a little get-together. The whole Discord's invited, so make sure you join. I, I like the idea of hosting <laughs> parties when our plants bloom. Can we make that a thing? Yeah. And or we dress up in fancy already? clothes. Oh, my God. We can have hors d'oeuvres. It reminds me of, is it Dennis the Menace, where the guy was having like a corpse flower bloom or something, and he had this whole party, and then Dennis ruined it, and they can they missed the flower blooming. I fucking hate Dennis the Menace, because he ruins the shit. Okay, so it. so your plumeria is your... He's, he's my outside growing star of the year, yeah. and if anyone wants plumeria cuttings, hit me up, because he's going to need a chop this year again. <laughs> Jen, I got you. Yeah. I think two, I want to say two of my biggest successes has been... That, that made me be like, okay, this is worthwhile. Like all uh, all of the like effort it takes acclimating things in and outside every year is worth it. If you can create like a begonia maculata that's, <laughs> you know, six feet tall. And just like I'd never seen anything, a cane begonia, like do that with the polka dots. And it was just blooming all over it. Um, I totally, I have photos of that on my Instagram, terracotta warrior. 
but you can go back and see it when it was like add that to the discord all right oh my can i do that yeah that photo? We, can, we can make it the show art for this mm-hmm. one if we want Ooh. Ooh. yeah so that like just putting that outside and that wasn't even in the greenhouse that was just outside against the north i saw that in person face of my house stunning mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it that that plant started out as a six inch pot literally yeah six inch pot from cub from cub foods grocery store exactly from a grocery store was that back when everyone was like hunting down march yeah. 2020 yeah, yeah exactly it was 20, it was 2020 and bef- right before the pandemic and someone was like hey there's like on the facebook group was like there's a begonia maculatas at the at this at, at this spe- specific cub foods and yep. i like ran there with my friend tom and like we you see both. like five people walking at the same time. You're trying to walk fast. I was, I like, oh I like God. put three into a basket because I was picking them That's up for like episode. four other people that there was some plant event. Three plants? At, at four other people? Okay. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Who's getting a cut? They in? were selling something else. I think they were selling Raven ZZs at the same time. And I picked and up um, Monstera and Sonia. Yep. I picked up a couple Raven ZZs, a couple And the Birkins. I was also in that. So anyways, the, that was a big success growing things outside and so like a begonia can go insane if you mm-hmm. just put it in a bigger pot and just put it outside and figure out the the watering cycle on that thing confession i only got that plant because it was popular at the time same i didn't I actually really honestly like it. i did too i only got it because like four people were like hey can you pick this up for me i was like you know what I'll just get one for myself. Trends too. is its whole <laughs> other topic. Yeah. I, I, no, honestly though, after I, after I grew it, I did like it. Yeah. It was, I did not. It, it was, it, uh-huh. it, I liked it. It was fun. <laughs> it needed a lot of light. A lot of people didn't give it enough light. Yeah. I took one and yeah. I rehabbed it. I grew it up to, I think I had a four foot tall one. Right. And then I sold it for 60 and, bucks. And it teaches you how to do cane. Like it taught me what to expect with cane begonias. I and now I have cane the, begonia. and now I have the, the, the brevermosa and i'm like let's do that with the brevermosa although i'm keeping that in the tent so i'm getting distracted the <laughs> Adam other just wants to talk about the brevermosa all the, the time. i do it's, it's I'm, i have a thing for pink foliage i always have uh the other one would be is the, that why you were touching my aglaonema in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to talk to me and i was like oh, pink foliage I was trying to show you my mature skeleton keys, and you were like, "But look at this one." I'm like, this one's, it's just I was like, a pink "What I was saying Nima. is, this is making me, ha- but this is making me happy right now." Would you like me to go get it? Would you like to sit with it during the episode yes. recording? <laughs> Please, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you don't actually have. Okay, she's actually getting the ugly anyway, you guys. <laughs> well, the other plant would be my Jose Bono philodendron, um, just because I did that because mine is still not variegating. Oh, I put Honest- it in soil. It's outside right now. Yeah. It's just. Oh, thank you, Kaylin. It's- I'm now holding a pink. I'm holding pink foliage. <laughs> now I'm stroking uh, the pink foliage, making sure there's no dust. We're gonna have to put a rating, an X rating. <laughs> if you right. Going. So my ho- yeah, but my Jose Bono is just hanging out as assorted green foliage. It's not doing any uh, Jose Bono things. Yeah. At all. <laughs> Though I I did I have found that keeping mine in higher humidity under LED lights has produced more white. But I've done that too. I've I was done waving. it all. <laughs> you guys, I was waving at the neighbor driving in the <laughs> cul-de-sac, and you both put your hands in the air. Uh, what is even happening? Right? Okay. You guys, we have to wrap this episode we up. If I jump off a cliff, are you guys coming with me? We've been talking for six hours. <laughs> I've grown. You know what? Try it. Just try it. Like try putting plants outside. It's worth a shot. And if you hate it, 
No one's forcing you to do it. And you know, everyone right. has a plant that they dislike the most. So just start with that one. Tester. Yeah, maybe it'll change your mind about a plant or like that you never liked. Or maybe it'll give you a reason to toss it in the compost. There you go. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been a really long episode of Rough Around the Hedges. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, for the record, Adam, uh, one of those is the Animani. Mm -hmm. There's two in here? Yeah, and then the other one's Cherry Pink. Which is the Super Pink one? They're both Super Pink. That one's one's Cherry Pink. Jerry Pink? Cherry. (laughs) Cherry Pink? (laughs) (laughs) Why did you just make me say Cherry Pink?